0: Hi, I'm Max Kaiser. This is the Kaiser Report. Yeah, the US and China are edging closer toward greater and greater rivalry here in the 21st century, Stacy?
1: Yes, indeed. We have a first headline about China, and I want to say pre- present the context of this globally, what's happening. President Trump is berating. The Fed once again saying we need negative interest rates because we are, of course, in a monetary war and a trade war with around the world. He's pointing to Europe having negative rates and that we can't compete with Europe if we don't have negative rates. Against China, of course, he's always saying China manipulates their currency and they, we have unfair fair trade with them. And here is a headline about that from China looking at the United States. China-U.S. rivalry on brink of becoming a, quote, financial war, former minister says. The growing rivalry between China and the United States is at risk of becoming a financial war, a former Chinese finance minister said on Saturday. Liu Jiwei, chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee of the China's People Political Consultative Conference, CPP, PCC National Committee he said, quote, "The next step in the frictions between China and the United States is a financial war. It is characterized by the use of long arm jurisdiction by various excuses to block specific enterprises such as the bans on ZTE and Huawei
0: The financial war is something we've been talking about for a while. Finally, the mainstream is kind of getting hip to this idea and trying to figure out what exactly does it mean, and this pressure to go to negative interest rates is nostalgia on steroids. In other words, Trump is saying, we want to go back to the 20th century and the way to get there when America was predominant, and we want to get there by going backwards in time. And the only way you can do that is if you were to revalue the worth of time and take it from having a positive linear going forward, positive interest rate, to having a negative interest rate. Remember, Europe is stuck in the past. It's a museum. Nothing ever happens there. And that's what Donald Trump would like to do. We'd like to go back to the 1960s and 1970s uh, when America was great and disco was was on the turntable.
1: Of course, America runs their empire as an empire of debt, and all of that debt is backed by derivatives which are tied to algorithms which price based on time. So without time, if if we have negative interest rates, all of that pile of debt anyway collapses because there's no way to price all of the the derivatives that back our empire of debt.
0: That's right. You can't uh, have a price for anything in the financial markets if there is no positive interest rate upon which to construct a dividend discount model or some other typical way of valuing assets. And uh, therefore... The only way to keep this Ponzi scheme going is to keep flooding the market with ever more trillions of dollars worth of fake fiat money and more derivatives. So the Ponzi scheme will increase. America's debt will go from 23 trillion to 50 to 60 trillion. I have no doubt about that.
1: By the way, we are in Brooklyn. We're in a warehouse in Brooklyn. So if you hear people beeping behind us, it's because uh, they're angry about somebody parallel parking or something in front of them. But um, I also want to say that this guy, Lu Wei he notices the United States having an increasing amount of xenophobia. He wasn't referring to the uh, anti-Russia xenophobia, but in particular, he's looking at the, the whipping up of xenophobia against China right now because of this uh, trade war. He said the U.S. has been close to the era of McCarthyism, referring to the practice of making accusations of subversion or treason without proper regard for evidence. So he does note that, which is quite interesting.
0: That, that was the remarkable thing about the Russia Gate hoax: is that there was an imaginary uh, ghost and, and enemy out there called the Russia during the Russia Gate hoax. Uh, and meanwhile, during if you look at Huawei and other five G technologies coming out of China, another technology of China, China's actually leapfrogging ahead of the U.S. economically, and now vis-a-vis vis- vis the currency war. So now that whole period of focusing on Russia would be is just a waste of time. It should have been focusing on the actual rival to America's predominance in the US and that would be China.
1: Part of this again, the US dollar as a weapon, the financial war, the desire for negative interest rates. Uh, he said that China should look to cooperate with other countries to build one or two independent international clearance systems to prevent the U.S. using its long-arm jurisdiction.
0: Right. The U.S., uh, world reserve currency, and using instruments like SWIFT, which gives the U.S. the ability to censor any transactions. They can censor Iran. They can censor China. They can censor any country they want to, and they apply sanctions and uh, engage in war. You know, sanctions are an act of war. And the U.S. has had a soft-kill war going on now for decades against these countries that they don't like. very, very dubious reasons and unknown reasons, really. Well, but now we're gonna get into a multipolar world and the, the ability to cut people off from the financial grade will cease.
1: If you want to be the neutral platform on which all the internet happens or all commerce happens, then of course it needs to be always neutral regardless. Just like at the UN General Assembly, every year here across the river in Manhattan, they have to allow anybody, any nation, Free passage to come there and speak. So we, we want to have that UN General Assembly every year here, but in order to have that, we have to promise that we won't arrest anybody, we won't allow, we won't prevent some guy we don't like or a dictator or authoritarian, like, from speaking there. So the same thing with the, the international settlement system. If you want the power to control it, then you've got to allow all trade to settle there. Otherwise, this emerges. Now, of course, Speaking of financial war and speaking of China, by the way, this is the most prosperous economy the world has ever seen, says Jamie Dimon, and it's going to continue. So Jamie Dimon was interviewed on 60 Minutes by Leslie Stahl. First of all, he says that the trade war won't be settled before 2020, but it won't cause any problems. He doesn't see that there's any indication that the uh, consumer in the United States is willing to stop spending. He says the consumer, which is 70% of the U.S. economy, is quite strong, confidence is very high, their balance sheets are in great shape. And you see that the strength of the American consumer is driving the American economy and the global economy. And while business slowed down, my current view is that, no, it was just a slowdown, not a petering out. So when Jenny
0: Diamond says it's the most prosperous country ever, he means the most indebted country ever. So you have student debt skyrocketing, household debt skyrocketing, corporate debt skyrocketing, the national debt is skyrocketing. He's in the business of selling debt, packaging debt, and creating derivatives around debt. So for him, for Jamie Dimon, it's never been more prosperous. Uh, So yeah, I can understand his point of view but nevertheless, it's uh, it's hollowing out the economy and it's extraordinarily fragile. And we see pockets of it collapsing in various towns. It Could be Flint, Michigan, it could be San Francisco, it could be uh, various towns are just disappearing and being vaporized by this fragility of the economy because it's been hollowed out because of the likes, thanks to Jamie Dimon.
1: Of course, Jamie Dimon is the head of the biggest bank in the world, certainly the biggest bank of America as well. And he is saying, first of all, that Trump is gonna win in 2020 because you don't have a booming economy and a president incumbent who loses. Second of all, yes, it's the consumer spending. Leslie Stahl should have followed up. Of course, when he said this is the greatest economy ever, she should have asked him why then as the largest participant in the repo market, the largest bank in America, is the Fed having to intervene to the tune of up to $200 billion every single day in the repo market, Jamie Dimon. Why is that happening if everything is so great?
0: Well, the measure of a booming economy, according to Leslie Stahl, 60 Minutes at Jamie Dimon, is the ever-increasing number of billionaires. But there is a point where you have to understand that for every billionaire, it's a disenfranchisement of a million people. It's, a, it's not the same as having an economy generating prosperity with some kind of equanimity across the board and a rising living standard. This is a zero-sum game played by interest rate apartheid games by Jamie Dimon and his cohorts on Wall Street who are moving, for example, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars from pension accounts to their pockets using ultra-cheap manipulated interest rates. And we now know that interest rates, whether it's LIBOR or the Bank of England or the Fed, they are engaged in racketeering, and that's why Jamie Dimon is being prosecuted for racketeering because he manipulates gold, silver, bonds, stocks, currencies. He's a racketeer. That's what he does.
1: To be clear, Jamie Dimon himself is not but three executives at J.P. Morgan. Senior executives are being charged with racketeering within J.P. Morgan. Um, Leslie Stahl then went on to ask him about um, the, the fallout from the financial crash, and the lack of any sort of justice there. He said, there was no Old Testament justice. A lot of people lost their reputation and money, but too many people didn't. So, of course, she didn't ask him as a follow-up, well, don't you want to do any penance? Don't you feel guilty? Don't you want to confess to the fact that you, Jamie Dimon, were on the board of the New York Fed? when you at the New York Fed decided to bail out J.P. Morgan to the tune of hundreds of billions and all the other banks.
0: He fundamentally changed the character of America by strong-arming and pressuring Eric Holder, the attorney general, to introduce the Holder Doctrine, which says that there's two-tier system of justice in America and there's no rule of law if you're Jamie Dimon and the bankers on Wall Street. This has trickled down to the general population, as Bastiat said 150 years ago, if there's looting at the top, There's going to be looting all across the nation, all across the society. So when you look at the crime sprees, when you look at the public defecation, when you look at the public lawlessness, when you look at the riots on the street, that's because at the top is the agenda set by Jamie Dimon, who's saying, look at me, I'm a crook and I'm a billionaire. You can be a crook too and you make 20 bucks. So it's a crooked, awful cesspool, uh, which is a poster child, is frickin' Jamie Dimon.
1: Of course, he says, yes, we have too many billionaires, and this is a cause of the Fed uh, bailing out everybody, but that we shouldn't uh, take it back from people like myself. In fact, we should just raise the minimum wage to $15, i.e. make all those small businesses pay the price. And on top of that, he said, yes, inequality is rising, but that doesn't mean free enterprise is bad. Of course, using propaganda to say he is free enterprise, when in fact, J.P. Morgan is not free to fail. So that is not free enterprise. Right,
0: it's not free enterprise. He hasn't had a losing day in years because they manipulate markets. And JP Morgan famously went three or four months last year without a losing trade uh, on any given day. That's like flipping a nickel in the air and having it land heads every single day for 90 days, 100 days, 120 days. It's the only way that's possible is if the nickel has heads on both sides. So this this is Jamie Dimon's game. It's heads he wins, tails we lose, or heads he wins and heads he wins again, and he continues to win every single possible day.
1: As we head into the 2020 elections, I want to say uh, the Democrats will probably not be happy with his, uh, his statements that the economy is booming and that, in fact, we need a $15 minimum wage because none of the neoliberal candidates, for sure, don't want to look left-wing, as Hillary Clinton would say, and, uh, and push for a minimum wage rise.
0: Right. Well, that's going to do it. Don't go away. Much more coming your way after the break with Tyson Slocum. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. I'm Max Kaiser. Time now to turn to Tyson Slocum. He is of the Public Citizen's Energy Program in Washington, D.C. Tyson, welcome back. Always great to be here. You know, you've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening there in D.C., and you've got a story here we got to talk about. What's J.P. Morgan doing down in Texas with the El Paso Electric?
2: So in early June, uh, El Paso Electric, which is a franchised uh, electric utility traded on the New York stock uh, market, been in operation for more than 100 years. It's got a service territory in West Texas and parts of New Mexico, about 500,000 households. Uh, announced that it was being acquired by a private investment fund called IIF. IIF claims that it's advised by JPMorgan Chase and Company. But the more we started to dig into this transaction, the more that we uncovered the fact that IIF is actually controlled by JPMorgan Chase and Company. And so, in numerous filings before the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, which is one of the government bodies that has to approve and review this merger, uh, we have raised the alarm bell that uh, FERC uh, and other regulatory agencies should not approve this merger until IIF comes clean about uh, its affiliate ties to J.P. Morgan Chase.
0: Right, So like some uh cheap mafia movie, the JP Morgan, they didn't go to the graveyard and find some dead people, but they found the equivalent uh therefore of and uh to be a front to control this energy company and as part of this need and and com- this this move by monopolists like JP Morgan and others to control the energy business and it's you know up until recently that was a public utility and there was a need to make sure that these things were operating so that energy was available to the public at a fair price. Now we've got intermittent energy, energy grid is collapsing, power is failing, and you've got monopolists in the background gouging, is price gouging uh, by the master price gouger and serial fraudster and racketeer, Jamie Dimon himself, probably the number one most wanted financial terrorist in America. So you in Washington, D.C., and you're over there at Citizens Energy Program. Uh, aside from you know applying some pressure there to try to get more disclosure, it's a publicly traded company, right? So don't they have to comply with some raw laws there? I mean, aren't they violating some fiduciary responsibility? If anyone's investing in this, like a pension fund? or a corporation or private equity fund with a lack of disclosure here, they are potentially committing fraud themselves. They should be aware of this.
2: I I think that there are some serious problems here. Uh, As you uh, pointed out, IAF gets all of its capital from pension funds. It's our understanding that most of the pension funds that are investing here are municipal. Firefighter, teachers, police pension funds from small and medium-sized towns. A lot of times these municipal pension funds don't necessarily have the management wherewithal to compete with the likes of a J.P. Morgan. Uh, And so we actually got our hands on some of the pitching PowerPoint documents that IAF was giving uh, to these small pension funds. And what we found from these pitching documents is that IAF doesn't have any employees. Every single employee that works for this uh, private investment fund is lent to it by J.P. Morgan. So J.P. Morgan staffs the entire operation and they have three alleged independent owners. Well, when we did digging, these people don't own anything. They actually didn't contribute any money. They are just board members. And we recently got J.P. Morgan to admit that two of the three owners, are there because J.P. Morgan submitted their names as references.
0: Doesn't, aren't people beginning to realize that pension funds are like the toxic waste dump for risk, any, any bad trade? Because the people, ma- they purposefully hire stupid people to manage these pension funds, public pension funds. And they just go there and they dump garbage in there. I know, I've worked on Wall Street and I've dumped many a bad trade that should have been on somebody, a rich guy's account. You dump it into a pension fund because they have no w- way to stop it. It's just, it's just abuse and, you know, that's the way it goes. And, I yeah, and
2: we already found uh, one example of self-dealing where in 2018, J.P. Morgan owned 120 million Class A shares of this wind power company called Coastal States Wind. They recommended that IAF buy these 120 million shares from J.P. Morgan. So J.P. Morgan... Is allegedly the independent financial advisor to this fund. And yet, here's JP Morgan selling its own stuff to IF. And that's just one example that we found. I'm sure that there's dozens more. Right. So, yeah, it raises issues not just for the regulatory oversight of an electric utility, but how the pensions for firefighters, for teachers, for cops, how their money is being invested. And this doesn't look good. Uh, uh, for them if, if J.P. Morgan is is basically constructing this elaborate front to mask its actual control over this fund.
0: I remember in 2008, Goldman Sachs was caught selling uh, bogus products to its own customers that they themselves had knowingly put in their customer accounts to defraud their own customers. And then Eric Holder, who was the attorney general at that time, said, you know what, we're going to legalize financial fraud under what's called the Holder Doctrine, right? So, because fraud is America's number one business, <laughs> So speaking of serial fraudsters and kleptomaniacs like Warren Buffett, um, tell us what's going on with Kraft. And they're they're fine for rigging wheat futures. I mentioned Warren Buffett because, of course, uh, Warren Buffett owned a big piece of Heinz ketchup and they engineered a merger with Kraft just a few years ago. So he, he knows all about what was happening here. Uh, speaking, uh, tell us about this fraud.
2: Yeah. So there's a federal agency called the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, which regulates... Commodity markets, uh, wheat, oil, natural gas, and they caught Kraft red-handed manipulating the wheat futures market. Levy to fine, but in in the negotiations to do the fine, it wasn't just, you know, the CFTC coming out and saying, you're guilty. Instead, it was a plea, essentially, where Kraft neither admitted nor denied any wrongdoing, agreed to a settlement... Uh, where they paid a fine, but in the fine print of this settlement, Kraft negotiated a small little clause that said the CFTC and the individual commissioners of the CFTC won't be permitted to talk about this settlement. And in announcing the settlement, each of the individual CFTC commissioners made statements about this, this manipulation settlement they had just reached with Kraft, and days later, Kraft's attorneys filed the federal breach of contract suit where they accused the CFTC of criminal misconduct in um, uh, violating the um, consent degree of this, uh, uh, this fine. So,
0: so there's some cracker company is, uh, <laughs> is, is threatening the U.S. government. Absolutely. Essentially. Absolutely. He found Absolutely. us rigging markets. Thank you, Eric Holder. And, uh, and now you did your job. You, we, we were, we, a small fee was paid. We keep 90 cents of every dollar we steal. Right, Warren Buffett? <laughs> J.P. Morgan? Uh, but that's not enough. They then want to sue the government for doing their job, this private corporation.
2: That's absolutely correct. This is intimidation. And this is the political climate we're in, where a company caught red-handed committing wrongdoing immediately turns the tables on the cops, on the, the regulators, and accuses them of right. being I mean, the true want, malfeasance.
0: These stories in uh, New York of cops being spit at and, and having water poured on them and disrespected. It comes from J.P. Morgan. It comes from uh, Kraft. It comes from Heinz. It comes from Warren Buffett. It comes from Eric Holder, who treat law enforcement agencies and regulators like garbage. Well, At the highest levels of our government. That trickles down to the street. They are providing the example for people to follow of treating uh, police like garbage. And, okay, so the, this craft company, of course, because they can't make money on crackers, <laughs> they have to resort to the financial future manipulation. That's the only place they can make money is on their cash desk, manipulating and committing fraud. That's their business model is fraud. Uh, and, and it's clear. And, now, and now
2: their business model is intimidating federal regulators.
0: Okay, where's uh, Martin Scorsese's film about this? I mean, he just made a film about mobsters, you know, uh, dying mobsters in a nursing home. He should make a film about these mobsters that are actively torching and arsonist killing our economy.
2: Well, Scorsese watches the program, right? That's what you told me.
0: Yeah, we borrow a lot of his shots. <laughs> right. Uh, we call this the Scorsese intimidation shot. <laughs> in Main streets. <laughs> Um, you know, he went to NYU like I went to NYU. We studied him in film school. Now, your thoughts on the California PG&E, and now they're warning 10 years of blackout. So this is a good one. So this is a utility company. They uh, are shutting the power down because they can't guarantee that the trees won't fall on the power lines and start fires.
2: Correct. It so sounds
0: like uh, Smithers from The Simpsons. Right. You know, Mr. Smithers, I think, he runs a... Anyway, tell yeah, us no, about
2: Yeah, no, he this. runs a utility at a nuclear power plant. Yeah. This is a travesty. You've got a situation where, what, the fifth largest economy in the world, the state of California, is uh, doesn't have reliable electricity service because a corporate-owned utility, PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, can't manage its transmission lines uh, without fear of uh, uh, forest fires resulting. What we have here is an issue of... Severe corporate mismanagement, where PG&E has time and time again prioritized financial returns for its investors at the expense of the public interest. Necessity of running right. A so
0: their, their core business, whether it's providing electricity, at PG&E, or making crackers at Kraft, or providing banking services to J.P. Morgan, they can't do their core business. They can only make money manipulating markets. PG&E can can only make money by focusing on the short-termism, by manipulating markets, by um, strong-arming regulators, by committing fraud. They're they're the Fukushima of of California, (laughs) essentially. They're they're just crooks. They're outright freaking crooks. And people are being torched. They're they're dying. There's arson. They're providing an example of petty thieves and uh, antisocial behavior. They're going to go private, and everyone's going to go private. Cobra, Kravis, and Roberts are gonna own everything with Warren (laughs) Buffett. We're just gonna be serfs on their freaking neo feudal plantation. Sluck them. Go back to DC and tell them this.
2: I'm working on it. Well, we're (laughs) instead of them going private, we think they should go public. As in becoming the state of California should set up a a state agency and should the, the governor should declare a state emergency. Uh, seize PG&E's assets uh, under that emergency declaration, under eminent domain, and give those assets to a state agency to operate them in the public interest. Uh, because from the San Bruno natural gas pipeline explosion in 2011, where PG&E was found to be cr- criminally negligent to this wildfire disaster with their transmission lines, PG&E has, pr- has proved that they cannot manage the basic uh, fundamentals of their
0: business. BGE and e is doing to Mother Earth what Harvey Weinstein did to the Me Too victims. I think that's pretty clear. It's just as ugly, yes. You recently noted that the coal industry is looking for subsidies. Elaborate on this. We have less than a minute. We have 30 seconds.
2: So Bob Murray, uh, who was the recently departed CEO of Murray Energy Corporation that just declared bankruptcy Uh, really had the president's ear on national energy and climate policy and he was pushing the Trump administration to orchestrate a national bailout of coal fired power plants that were losing money to cheaper natural gas and renewables. And so the Trump administration through the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission has been pushing to redesign uh, America's uh, electric power markets to give a huge taxpayer subsidized benefit to uh, coal.
0: All right, Slocum, thank you so much for all the updates. Fascinating stuff. I, it makes me sick, but we have to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Kaiser Report with me, Max Kaiser, and Stacey Herbert. I'd like to thank our guest, Tyson Slocum. If you want to catch us on Twitter, it's Kaiser Report. Until next time, bye, y'all.